when I was young, I wanted to be an artist. I was always kind of drawn and painting and kind of really enjoyed it and had a big creative bent. And I always love to be outside. So finding something that allows me to be creative and also be outside, that's the easy part for me. That's the, that's where all the fun is. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we talk to athletes, adventurers, and business owners from around the world of adventure sports. Whether you're climbing Mount Everest, starting a bike shop, or getting up off your couch to take your kids hiking for the first time, we want you to have the motivation and inspiration you need to chase that next adventure. The Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by Camp Crate, the leaders in fully planned self-guided backpacking adventures, as well as backpacking gear rental. You can check them out at campcrate.net. Before I knew better, I used to carry cans of food into the backcountry um, like a doofus. Uh, obviously, I don't do that anymore. I use freeze-dried food, and I really only use peak refuel, uh, the best backpacking food, the best freeze-dried food in the world. And if you keep listening to the episode, I can show you how to save 20% off an order if you want some. Happy Friday, y'all. I can pretty much guarantee that every one of you have been out, uh, outdoors, out in nature, or doing your adventure sport somewhere, and you thought to yourself, wow, it'd be really nice to have something that did this. And that thing, maybe it exists, maybe it hasn't been invented yet, and uh, you either kept on wishing or maybe you made a little rig or something to to fill that need. I know I've done that a bunch on the bike and uh, especially when bike touring, when I don't have access to a lot, I would rig something up real quick with zip ties or something. But, you know, rarely do we take that to the next level and think, you know, maybe millions of other people want this too. But that is what Ice Mule Cooler founder James Colley did. And basically, one day he was out on a hike, he'll tell the story more, but he wanted a way to keep drinks and food cold while he was hiking, like like a day pack, but something that would work really efficiently. And he sat on the idea for a while, uh, for 20 years, in fact, until this whole resurgence in coolers started popping up in like the last decade. Um, you know, Yeti kind of really turned coolers from this junky thing you keep in your garage to like a a really expensive, really high-end thing. And now there's been tons and tons of companies to follow. And so James decided to take that idea off the shelf and give it a shot. And he invented, it's almost like a dry bag, like a really heavy-duty dry bag that's insulated that you can put drinks in. I, I put one on my back before with a bunch of stuff in it. And it's amazing how comfortable it is. It's really well made for light. It's waterproof. It floats, but it can keep ice for days on end. And, you know, there's nothing better than hiking to the top of a mountain or on a long, hot trail somewhere um, or paddle boarding on a hot day on the water, opening up a, a cooler on your back, and the drinks are ice cold. Like, it is pretty awesome. You know, call me spoiled, but it's pretty awesome. Um, so I hope you enjoy hearing James story and he's going to share it in just a second, but I did want to remind you if you want to get in touch with us, you can always leave a voicemail at 812-MAIL-POD, 812-M-A-I-L-P-O-D. 
and uh, go, it'll go straight to voicemail and you can just share your thoughts or, or if you have a good guest idea for the show or an idea for the show of a topic we could cover that we haven't covered in a while, please, we're, you know, we, we thrive off of your feedback. So if you have something you as a listener want to hear or want to see done with the show, just let us know. And uh, always patrons have a priority with that. Uh, really what they have to say, we're much more willing to implement. Um, and you can become a patron, which is a supporter of the show, uh, for $1 a month. It's it's that easy. But for 5 bucks a month, you can be interviewed for the show. Well, we're going to start doing a little few-minute section with each uh, patron just to showcase what they do and what sports they love and what they have um, kind of on their bucket list of things to do. You can also send us an email at info at adventuresportspodcast.net, as well as message us, Facebook, uh, Instagram, anywhere like that. Um, There's also a contact form on our website. Also, uh, please let us know if you like this format of the Life Outside the Box series. Basically, we just interview people that are living a life very different than than most of us, Uh, whether they're pursuing a business idea or an entire lifestyle change of, you know, living on the road full-time with a family or something like that. So uh, if, if you like this, let us know. I, I feel like it helps cultivate ideas for all of you. Um, I guarantee some of you are sitting on an idea somewhere and you want to act on it, whether it's a lifestyle change or, or a business idea or a product um, in the outdoor and adventure sports world, but maybe you've never acted on it. So that's what this series is all about. If you don't like it, let me know. If you do like it, let me know. Anyway, dang, enough of my rambling. All right, here's the episode. So uh, where are you coming from today? I'm in St. Augustine, Florida. Really? No way. Yeah. I mean, that's where y'all are based. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm sitting in my office. That's yeah. awesome, man. I'm I'm from Florida. I'm from uh, Central Florida, Polk County. Um, oh yeah, sweet. So man, this is kind of random. I uh I saw my first ice mule cooler uh, a couple months ago at the hardware store by my house, and within about two days of that, uh, my buddy who just moved here from Jacksonville ran into i guess your head of marketing in his neighborhood you yeah. just saw him his name's guy yeah guy barnhart yeah that's awesome um things have just been nuts this time of year so we're a little behind on getting some stuff done but so is this a busy time for y'all yes it's been i mean i thought it was gonna like <laughs> like slow down a little bit so we could you know take a breath and do some planning for next year but it's been it's been pedal to the metal i mean it's been insane and we're gonna be on the today show on thursday um, which I just found out about, um, day before yesterday. So that's, you know, that's, we've got a ton. I had to like get a bunch of product yeah. out to the Amazon team and all these other people are ordering now to try to get ahead of that a little bit. So yeah, it's like, it's crazy. I mean, we're like right now for the holiday season, we're triple where we were last year. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. You're yeah. going to be on the today show, but, but you get, you get to be on the adventure sports podcast first. And that, and that's awesome. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's well, I, I'd already factored, I'd already factored that in. This was just, you know, I, you know, I, we already had the millions of course lined up for the audience with you guys. So I was ready for that. So yeah, um, this will be said in the intro, but you know, you, you founded ice mule coolers. Um, why don't you tell us about where did this idea start for you and how did you get into it and what, and what adventure sports are you into yourself? So, um, I, yeah, I kind of start with, uh, maybe the last question and I'll work my way into ice. Well, I mean, I think I probably like a lot of your listeners, um, 
in that, you know, I am not, you know, I'm no, I'm not a professional athlete. I'm not a world-class um, athlete of, of any sport, but I, I spend an awful lot of time um, outdoors pursuing adventure sports just because I grew up that way and love them. Um, and kind of wherever I lived through my life, through my career, I tried to find like what was the opportunity there. So, for instance, I never knew how to sail boats. And my wife and I used to live in um, northern Virginia, right next to the Potomac. And about two miles from my house, there was a, um, a really great sailing school. So I was like, you know what, I'm learning how to sail. And so for an entire summer, you know, I, I got I got certified, kind of learned the points of sail, learned how to, you know, kind of do the basics. Then I spent the summer basically just going through boats and meeting people and learning how to do that. And, you know, when I was right out of college, my very first job, when I went to work for a bank, my father worked for a bank, my grandfather worked for a bank. I thought that was kind of the thing to do. And after about a year, I realized that was not for me. Um, I eventually did work for banks in different ways, but all I wanted to do was ski because I grew up skiing. So I just gave my landlord my furniture for breaking the lease and called my parents from about halfway to Breckenridge, told them I quit my job and I was going to ski. Dang. So they were pretty they were pretty thrilled with that. And I got there I got there like kind of late in the season and ended up living with a bunch of criminals and just doing whatever I could do to try to, you know, get a lift pass and ski. Golly. But you know, it's always been like a passion of mine just to be outside and doing whatever sports available to me. And when I first came up with the idea for Ice Mule, my wife and I, who was then my girlfriend, we were living in Richmond, Virginia. And Richmond's a sweet city from the perspective that the James River that goes through downtown actually has class three rapids downtown. And it's one of the few cities in America where you can actually go out at lunch and run rapids. And so I'd kind of gotten into that. And there's a lot of good hiking in the Blue Ridge nearby. So on one of our first dates, I wanted to take her on a hike um, up in the mountains. So I I didn't, but I, but I knew we were going to be out all day. It was summertime. It was like 80 degrees. And I didn't have a cooler that I could that I could easily carry on a hike. And so I did what a lot of people do. I mean, I looked for something and there was nothing that wouldn't leak all over the place. But I, I took my day pack. I put a couple of trash bags in it and I filled it full of ice and put sandwiches and bottles of water in there. And of course, the bags broke, the ice was melted, all this cold water ran down my back, and I looked like an idiot on like my first legit full day date with this woman. Um, <laughs> and I just couldn't, I couldn't, I was like really frustrated with it. I was like, this is insane that there's not a good backpack cooler out there, um, or at least a good portable cooler. So I, I, I tried to figure out a way to make one. I got a sewing machine. I didn't realize I didn't know how to sew. I couldn't puncture the fabric because it would make it not waterproof. And so I kind of was, trying just kind of had it going in my subconscious and i went back out on the river the following weekend and i was kayaking and i just grabbed my my dry bag to put some gear in and it just i was like wait a second if i could just insulate a dry bag you know it's all welded together there's no sewing it would make a, a great cooler and so that was really the start of it i i had that idea kind of had some prototypes made by um, a company and then they ended up making a uh, a bunch of them for for me and i just had a little small web page that i wrote you know and it, the whole time at this point i was i was doing strategic planning for a bank in, in richmond and then i eventually went into a different line of work went into management consulting and when i did that I, I started traveling five days a week and i did that for five years and did just nothing else because there's no it just takes your life away so i didn't do anything about this for a long time and then eventually we ended up coming back. Um, we, I was in New York at the time. And then we eventually kind of came back to the South. We ended up moving to Charlotte. And I went to run marketing for a division of Bank of America. And uh, I started playing around with it again. 
And after spending a few years at that company, then another company, um, they sold the division I ran marketing for at that second company. And they, 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 all of us kind of were out of work. And so my wife and I had a little place down in Florida and I wasn't sure what I was going to do next, but, um, she said, why don't we just go down to Florida and you can start the ice mill company? And I was like, okay, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. So that's kind of how it all happened. I mean, it was it was literally like, why not? You know, I mean, we got nothing better. We're we're. I was talking to a company out in California. I was going to be chief marketing officer of some insurance company, and I'm really glad I didn't do that because I was pretty much done with that part of my life anyway. And and um. So yeah. So this is my midlife crisis career. You know. Well, I mean, it's uh, you know, it's not much of a crisis. It don't seem like. Uh, it seems like things are going pretty good. Yeah, we're five years in. I mean, we're, we're in our fifth year now, so things are actually, you know, cranking along really well. Um, definitely didn't. I mean, I, you know, I had actually started another company previously earlier in my career with up in Connecticut and, and had some idea what this was like. But there's nothing like doing it completely by yourself with like no financial backing or anything. I mean, there's definitely, you know, this this kind of weird bipolar existence where you're like, you think you're a genius one minute, the next minute you're convinced you're the dumbest person in the world and everything is going to crash down around you. And that's constant, you know, and like no sleep. So, so what's been an example of, of something that's like that? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. I mean, so, and I've given this example before, but it's, it's pretty good. I mean, I, my first, like when I first started, like I had never, I'd always been doing kind of stuff in kind of corporate finance and, and banking. And had done a lot of marketing, but at a different level. And so I'd never really had to run a business before. So, and I didn't know anything at all about, you know, retail other than being like going to stores and shopping for stuff. I knew gear pretty well. I'm a gear nut. I have a ton of gear. I use, you know, you know, I have way too much gear probably. Like a lot, I'm sure a lot of your listeners, but. Oh, yeah. And so I, I knew what I wanted to make, but I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to sell it. So, you know, you find some mentors. I was lucky enough to meet some people in the industry that were super cool. And the people in the industry altogether, just some of the coolest people I've ever known um, as a group. And then and, and so I got lucky in that regard. And I, I had a sales rep, um, still have them as a matter of fact, um, up in the um, Northwest who hooked me up with Amazon. And so Amazon was my first, like, actual customer other than, you know, a couple of small shops in, in the southeast where we live. And I thought, well, this is awesome. You know, Amazon's going to be buying my product. It's the world's largest retailer. I can just go fishing now. I'm done. You know, I'm all good. And so that was one of those moments where I'm like, yeah, this is, this is going really, really well. And then, um, right after I'd kind of gone into Amazon, and this was kind of a consequence of not sleeping a whole lot, I had put in an old price list into Amazon. So everything was priced a little bit too low, like 10%. And so, but it hurts margin because then, you know, they take a bunch of stuff too. And so I was like, all right, I'm just going to send them a note and tell them I'm changing these prices. And so I did that. And then they came back and they said, no, 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 we're not going to accept that. Um, we need 90 days to review these price changes. Meanwhile, um, all of my retailers that started to sign up were like, well, we're not going to buy from you if you sell directly to Amazon. So I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? Now, now oh I, gosh. you know, so I got, first of all, my price, I'm selling lower than my retail. I'm asking my retailers to sell. So I'm undercutting my retailers. So I'm competing against them and I'm selling lower because Amazon won't change the pricing and they hate me because I'm selling direct to Amazon. So I went from that feeling of, boy, this is going along great and doing really well to I have, I'm going to, I'm going to explode this thing before it starts. 
So, I mean, that first few months was just like stressful as hell. And I, and, and, you know, I eventually, I don't sell to Amazon directly anymore. Haven't done that for years. Never will again, probably. Um, but it was just, it was a big lesson. I was like, wow, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, I had no idea what I'm doing. Jeez. So it is the level of stress you've experienced trying to start this, um, more than you experienced just taking maybe more traditional jobs. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's a different level of of, of exposure because, um, you know, I mean, for instance, um, when I was a consultant, you know, I we worked for a lot of big, big, large kind of, you know, uh, investment banks in New York. And there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of money involved and people are, you know, can be mean and all those things. And you spend a lot of weekends trying to put together presentations and you've got some boss that's telling you to do 36 versions of that and you got a team of people in a room about ready to kill you and so that's a certain level of stress and i'd lived that life for a long time and then when i was at bank of america i was a more senior guy and and there's a whole different level of stress that comes with that stuff but it's still you go home and there's a paycheck every two weeks and you're pretty sure nobody's gonna die you know and you've got a resume so you're pretty sure if this thing falls apart you probably go get another gig somewhere so it wasn't like I mean, yeah, it's stressful, but it's like there's all these safety like measures there when you when you have a corporate job or you know a corporate market job. When you do this on your own, man, there's no net. It's like I remember I didn't pay myself anything for the first three years, not a penny. Oh yeah. And so, and I remember when I started, like I you know I, I put together a plan, I put together a business plan, and I had all these projects I wanted to do, all these things I was going to develop, products and marketing, et cetera. And I had a little office in the back of the house. And I walked in the office like the first day and I looked around. And I was like, oh, it's like, holy crap, I'm the only person here. Like, I have to do all of these things. Like, there's nobody else for me to ask. So that was the first revelation. And then this, and then the next thing was, you know, then in the first two weeks, there's no paycheck. Um, and, you know, you kind of don't give your, you have to succeed because you don't leave yourself any exits. And so, you know, there's no, you can't turn around. There's nothing to go back to. It's just you got to keep going straight. There's no other way to do it. I mean, you know, if you think about it in terms of like like skiing, I mean, once you start down the slope, you're not going back up. You're, you're going to have to make it to the bottom in one piece or not. And that's hmm. kind of the way this is. So, yeah, like I said at the beginning of the episode, I used to carry cans of food into the backcountry. And uh, I know there's... A lot lighter things to do, but uh, there's just a lot of options that aren't good for you or either too heavy, um, and that's why I really do uh, use Peak Refuel now. Um, they're a new backpacking food company, and I say backpacking food. Really, it's just uh, freeze-dried food that you can use for anything. I've actually eaten it for dinner before with my family uh, because it's real food. It's not... It does not taste like backpacking food or hunting food or something that you're only going to eat in the backcountry. It's it's delicious, high uh, in protein, uh, nutritious. It is going to refuel you. It is filling huge portions, and I really encourage you all to give it a shot. At least try it out, uh, and that is peakrefuel.com. And if you want to get 20% off an order, uh, use the code ASP20, and that's capital asp then two zero. Now back to the episode. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to you know most people think about something like this is going up a mountain. You're thinking about going down a mountain, and that you know you start getting momentum, you you can't turn around. So that's an interesting way to put it. Um, I think I like that a little better, honestly. 
<laughs> you build some momentum, you can keep going. Yeah, uh, totally. And I, yeah, so that's the way we think about it. So let me, let me ask you this was, you know, with that stress and with that uncertainty, um, yeah. And you know, if you go fishing, nothing gets done because you're the only one doing right. anything. Was it ever, totally. uh, did it ever get to the point where you thought like, I, I just can't keep doing this. I got, I got to go back and do something else. Um, no, not really. I mean, not, I mean, you know, knock on wood. I mean, it could be, you know, I might wake up tomorrow morning and think that, but, um, no, I mean, mainly the, my, my biggest stress has always been, you know, um, my wife who is, is like the number one fan of the brand and number one fan of the product, number one fan of the company and who, who gave me permission to do this. Like it's important, it's really important to me that we succeed for her because she kept working while I was building this company and still is. And so, you know, and I, and I, and I look at her and I'm like, you know, I could still screw this thing up 10 ways before breakfast every morning, you know, but it's super important to me that it works because of the sacrifice that she made. And so I kind of never, like kind of give myself the luxury of being like too much of a whiner about it. But, you know, the other thing is, I mean, honestly, man, I mean, I'm sitting here in my office right now. I'm in an office that overlooks, and it's not a, beautiful building or anything, but I overlooked the intercoastal waterway. There are dolphins swimming by as we're talking. And I'm in St. Augustine, Florida, and I sell coolers for a living and keep beer cold for a living from people. I mean, it could be a lot worse, you know? So <laughs> Yeah, it absolutely I could be. I, I try not to stress about it too much. That's 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 good to hear. I, I didn't know if you'd be willing to share some of the early challenges. Where where have you found your success? Has it has it been exactly who you were shooting to uh the market you were shooting for or has it molded over time and you've had to adapt with, with, with that demand? Yeah, no, I mean, it's pretty, I mean, it's a good question. I, you know, when we first started, I mean, basically probably did the wrong thing. Right. So I just, I mean, I think it's probably the right thing from an authenticity standpoint because everybody kind of does, you know, we did this with the thing with the Kickstarter campaign. Um, that was the, that was the thing that kicked us off. And I kind of knew it was going to work when that was successful, but everybody we ever showed the product who loved it, and I basically just made a company around a product that I needed and couldn't find. And so I figured there's a lot of people like me that probably could use something like this. And we make adventure coolers. Like if you're going to go on an adventure, if you're going to need to take a cooler with you to places other coolers can't go and you want to be able to get into a premium soft-sided cooler like ours at a fair price, we're the only company that does that. And so I, you know, I wanted to offer, I wanted to make a premium cooler that would go with you wherever you wanted to go and whatever adventure you're taking. And I wanted to offer it to folks at a price that wouldn't require that they take out a second mortgage on their house to buy the cooler. And so, um, I figured there were probably enough people out there that could use a product like that, that, that they would find us and we would find them. And pretty, you know, I mean, I think that's true. And when people ask me who my target market is, my kind of smart alecky answer used to be, well, you know, humans, because everybody's got three coolers in their garage and two of them are broken. (laughs) Right. right? Yeah. But the truth, you know, the truth is honestly, like our, probably our, our, our customer base is, you know, people from their kind of more or less their their mid to late twenties to their forties. They're both men and women, thank goodness, because we spend a lot of time kind of not trying to be too macho about this. I know every, you know, everybody's outside having having fun, so why should we try to only target guys? And the other piece of it is, you know, their lifestyle kind of adventures. They're people who were spending time outside, engaged in some kind of a sport, engaged in some kind of lifestyle activity outside. And so 
as it turns out, I think the timing's good because the world's becoming more and more and more like that. I mean, I, you know, it used to be, you know, either you played a sport or you, you kind of didn't. And that was expensive. Everybody does something now outside, I feel like. So there's a there's a huge opportunity for us. And, you know, I, I think our customers are kind of pretty much exactly who we thought they'd be. So, so what do you think, you know, coolers have just, for some reason, popularity-wise, like high-end coolers have just skyrocketed in the last decade. What do you think that's from? Um, just because I kind of like the, you know, Yeti obviously is, was a big part of that, but even their cups, like the, the whole water bottle industry, just things to hold water, and now things to hold ice are just exploding. What do you think that's yeah. due to? Well, I think there's a couple of things. One is I definitely think Yeti broke them. I mean, the brothers who founded that company had a terrific idea, and they did a they did a really smart thing. Um, they they also same as kind of me, not to necessarily say that, you know put myself in the class of those uh, those guys. They've done a tremendous job, but all the coolers that they were using when they were out fishing were falling apart on them, and they wanted to, they wanted to build a bomber cooler that wouldn't fall apart on them. And they did. And they figured other people probably wanted that. And so the problem that they had was retailers to stop selling coolers because there's no margin. In them. If you've got a lot of floor space, you know, you, you, you only had a few points of margin because they're cheap. And the companies that sold those were all the mass merchandising, like the Targets and Walmarts and so, or the Kmarts and Walmarts. And so these guys were like, we're going to, this thing's expensive. So it's going to be hard to sell. But when you do sell it, it's a lot more profit for you for that same amount of floor space. And so he gave retailers an opportunity to make money in a category that they no longer could compete in, which was brilliant. <clears throat> and what's it, And I think they did a lot of kind of um, word of mouth marketing. They got some really good brand ambassadors. They had some good friends who were super uh, serious fishermen. And they, they did a good job of doing that at the beginning. So I definitely think they paved the road that I'm on. Um, to a degree, we do a different thing. Uh, we have a different kind of a, a way of approaching what a cooler is and what it can do. But definitely, the, just kind of the category opening up was was locked largely because of what they did. The other thing they're really good at was kind of branding, and I think this kind of growth of lifestyle brands was not only them; was also Costa. Um, if you think about you know kind of, kind of again Southeast brands that are more lifestyle oriented. And there's a bunch of kind of clothing lines that came out of the Southeast in the same time. Not everything's from the Southeast because you have the same thing with Hydropack, I mean, Hydroflask in, in the Northwest. I think wherever you, I think social media definitely allowed people to share stuff easier at the same time. So you've kind of got this, you've got these layers of social media, more people outside doing a bunch of cool things, people sharing with each other. And then, and then Yeti kind of coming in the middle of that and creating this category. I think it, it, it really, those are the ingredients that have created this. But um, as far as specifically kind of keeping things cool and all that, I just think, you know, it's a need that existed a long time and now you can do it. I mean, it, when I when I came up with this idea a long time ago, I still I wanted the cooler that I've got now. I just didn't have access to it. I think people have needed more of the stuff. And now that you can take, a, you know, I've got a canteen on my desk right now full of water, you know, that'll be cold tomorrow morning when I come in here. I mean, that's amazing. And I take this thing everywhere I go. And I don't know. I don't think that's a new need. I think it's just now we have a product that can fill the desire I have to have a cold war with me everywhere I go. But I definitely think this social media and the kind of emergence of branding. And also, man, when you've, when you've got dense populations of people who are spending a lot of time outside, like you have in the Southeast, like you have in the Northwest, like you have in California, word can travel quickly and things can become viral and then it just can explode. That's awesome. So 
you know, you, you had this idea along, what, what year did you say you had the idea? Oh, it was 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. And so, you know, I see you guys offer, you know, all sorts of stuff now, but obviously what you're doing different is you're wearing these coolers, wearing it on your back. Was it hard to figure out a really efficient way to keep the cold in, but also be kind of pliable so you can wear it and it's not, you know, rigid like a, a plastic cooler? No, I mean, it was, I mean, it was, so for us, I mean, you're, you're, so yeah, I think you hit on one key thing there. I mean, for us, it's always been about wearable, affordable and, and the original ice mill, the very first one that I've actually still got sitting here right in my office right now across from me, but actually didn't have a backpack strap. I designed it to be the size of a, of a standard day pack. So the idea was you take your cooler and you stick it in your day pack. Cause I thought, well, everybody's already got a day pack. Why do I need to do anything else? And then I had so many customers that kept saying, it'd be so great if you had straps on this thing. So I was like, all right, so we'll put a strap, but I angled it so it would actually be kind of more of a sling and be easier to carry on the, on the classics, on the pros and, and the boss we have straight up backpack straps. And well, that's a really system. smart pivot right there. You, you responded to what people wanted. So were people originally putting them inside their day packs? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they did. And, but they, I mean, I literally, I mean, this was literally just a few dozen of these things that we were like testing out. And I, that was the number one thing people kept asking me for. So when I went back to the products, the, it was a lot harder to figure out how to make the fabric strong enough, especially at the stress points, and yet at a price point that would be really accessible for folks. Um, the installation part of it was more or less trial and error. I, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not an engineer, but my dad was. And so I grew up working with him and more work with him doing, you know, fixing everything. He, he, would, he would never hire anybody to fix anything in the house. Like we had to like do electricity and plumbing. Like my father would never... Like you had to figure it out. He was the king of rigging things. So um, I grew up with this kind of try this. If it doesn't work, make this adjustment, fix it, and just keep doing that. So the first few coolers that I made were all trial and error. I mean, I was literally taping stuff together, putting different types of insulation in, rolling things up, seeing whether or not that would work. One innovation that we came up with that, that nobody else has is we put an air valve on the cooler so you could actually add air to the insulation. So if you wanted more insulation life, you could actually add air, which is a great insulator, especially when it's got you know, insulation with it. Or you can open up the air valve and compress the coolers to force all the air in the interior layer out and roll it up and it's travel, you know, it's, it's small for travel or storage or whatever. It makes a great camping pillow too. And so these were all things that I just, you know, I just kind of came up with through trial and error. As far as the actual insulation goes, uh, the most important thing there is the top being really um, airtight. So it, you just need a barrier that separates cold air from hot air. That's why vacuum insulation works so well, because there's literally no molecules there. So there's nothing that can move like heat or, or cold air back and forth between the two layers. Insulation works the same way, not quite as efficiently. I just needed enough insulation between those two layers to keep the cold air from escaping or the hot air from getting in. And once you roll down that top and kind of, you have those layers of fabric that serves the same purpose. So when we started testing the, the ice mules initially, I was actually shocked at how long they keep ice intact. I didn't think it'd be nearly as efficient as it is. And, you know, you can make it like our, our ice mule classics start at $45. The pros go up to 140. The, the boss will keep ice for several days. That's got a different insulation profile, but you can get, if you don't open these things, I mean, we've had customers have reported with pros that, you know, they're like, hey, we took this on a camping trip out in Death Valley and we left it in base camp for three days and we came back and the third of the ice was still there and everything was still frozen. 
Unreal. That's, that's awesome. That's amazing. You know, and, and it's, it really is just kind of, you know, I, I since now become kind of a student of like how all that works. But at the time I was just trying stuff. I'm just writing that down. That's nuts, man. Cause I love death Valley. I go there quite a bit and yeah, we, uh, <laughs> I think last time was I was there, we had beer and forgot to put ice in it immediately. And one of them burst open from the heat. And, uh, <laughs> I'm not surprised. Now I will say your conditions can vary, so I don't know. You can report back to me how well it does, but I'll definitely <laughs> be interested to hear. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. So you know, you, you just said you know the ice, the cooler was in Death Valley, and you know a, a Yeti's probably just going to sit on the deck of a, of a in the back of the truck or the deck of a boat. Where's the coolest place you've ever seen one of your coolers? Uh, I mean, that's, man, we've got, the thing that's so cool about this and, and, you know, it, it was funny because I used to like, every time I see a picture of an ice cream where I hear a mission of it in the press or whatever, like I would keep a folder or a file and all this. I've lost complete control of it now. I oh, no I believe it. I believe it. You guys are everywhere. I mean, I, you're in, you're right here in, uh, in Denver at the hardware store and uh, yeah, yeah, some Epic pictures on the ad right there. And I'm just like, that's so cool. Oh, that's awesome, man. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, we've got pictures because ice are so easy to travel with. You know, you can you can just you know press it flat, put it in the back of your suitcase. You can roll it up and put it in your day bag, whatever. I mean, we'd literally have pictures of ice mills all over the world. I mean, Thailand, um, uh, Russia. I you know I I shot a picture of somebody the other day from an, someone in Bimini getting out of a boat with an ice mill on their back. I don't even remember who sent it to us. So it's they're literally everywhere. And the cool thing about it is the people who are buying our product are the people who are going to these places and, and you know, going out on those or hiking this trail in, you know, Indonesia and they're taking the cooler with them. So when was the, uh, when was the first time you saw one in the wild, you know, that wasn't sent to you, no one you knew. And you're just like, holy crap, there's one of my coolers right there. Oh, it's so funny that you use that expression because that's exactly what we say. We say, Hey, there's a nice one in the wild. It's so funny. <laughs> um, it's so funny. You said that. That's awesome. So the, I mean, I, the, I think the first time was actually, um, in St. Augustine, I think it was, it was not too long after we started, but I walked down on the beach. I live about 400 feet from the water. So like our street intersects into the dunes and we're like, uh, four lots back. So we're, you know, I'm there every morning, every evening, but I walked on the beach on like a Saturday with my wife and of course I had an ice mule and, you know, a canopy or whatever. And uh, I see this guy walk by with an ice mill on his back. And at first it didn't register because it's like, oh, yeah, there's an ice mill, of course. Yeah, there's an ice mill. I was like, holy, holy crap, that's the first ice mill we've ever seen in the wild. So we're like trying to find like somebody's camera so we get to put, you know, like phones so we take a picture of it. We didn't get it. But um, I don't know, dude, I was riding the bark the other day and, um, you know, some guy just rides by me on A1A on his, on his, on his bike with the, you know, extra large pro on his back. I mean, I see him all over the place now, but yeah, it's kind of nice when you're driving to work and somebody rides by you on a bike with their, with your cooler on their back. But it's, it was pretty cool to see that. I bet that helped. Uh, I bet seeing that one out in the wild for the first time helped your wife, uh, trust, yes. trust well, the process. Well, it's funny now, every time, like whenever I'm with anybody, every time, like, or with her, she's got a little bit less insistent about this. They're like, like people are like, go tell them, you know, that it's your like your product or whatever. And I'm like, I'm not going to go bother those people and their children on a Saturday and walk up like some creep and say, hey, can I talk to you about that cooler? You know, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to do that. But you know, it's it is funny when you're with people. They're like, go talk to them. And I'm like, it's 
trust me, they don't want me to talk to them about this, but um, I just want to see them having fun with the cooler. I did walk by, I, I have walked by a couple of people and just said, Hey, I like that cooler. And then just to see what they would say. And, you know, they're always like, Oh yeah, this thing is rad. And they tell you why, which is great. I haven't yet had anybody say, Oh, this is, you know, they have had negative, negative experience with it. So I will do that. That's really cool. So, you know, with, with just starting this and, uh, you said you guys are about five years old, uh, where, where would you like to see it in the future? Is there any new ideas or anything that might be really outside of the box of things that you want done? Or is it just a continual growth of the company and just keep seeing where it goes? Um, yeah, it's a great question. So we actually have, um, we're, we're coming out with the first time we've ever kind of done a collection. We're coming out with uh, a series in the in the spring called the Go series, Geo, um, and it's three entirely new coolers, and they fit different purposes. So, um, one is kind of uh, an update of our of our mini, but with two backpack straps, let's classic with two backpack straps in the pocket in front, which are some things things people have asked us about, and some upgraded fabrics. We did a collaboration with a local artist in Jacksonville. Um, Named Claire DeBeau, and she did a she did a uh, basically a piece of art for us, which we translated to the fabric of the cooler. And we may do more artist series after that. So that's pretty rad. We're, we're that's it's just a beautiful product. I'm looking forward to getting that out there. And then we've got I, I created a new insulation profile. That's kind of our boss cooler has three centimeters closed cell foam, and that actually will keep ice for many days. Um, but it's thick. So I created a new insulation profile. I think we're the only people to do this where you get almost that as much efficiency, but a much thinner wall. And so we've applied that to two new products. One's a backpack cooler called the Urbano, which is much more of kind of an urban kind of a look and feel. It's got a hood. It's got a, a sweet front pocket. Everything's waterproof. And that thing will keep ice for, we always we say minimum 48 hours. It probably will last a lot longer. And it's got a complete suspension on it. It's, it's my favorite new toy. And then we've got something called the Traveler, which is, kind of a, a and it's an adventure travel cooler so it can double as a duffel but it's got that same insulation profile it's it's a good kind of straight up substitute for a hard cooler because it's large it has a lot of capacity but we've got a very unique strap system to have make it really portable and e- super easy to carry so we're coming out with that series in the spring and then another thing that we've been doing that we've been working on and this is something i'm growing or working on right now as a matter of fact we have a call with them tomorrow i've been working with um, some U.S. military special forces teams um, to develop some coolers for the special forces. And that's really fun and, and super cool. My dad was Air Force and these are Air Force guys. And so we're making coolers that they can they can actually get to people out in the field for medical um, relief. So, you know, we might be able to even, you know, I tell people I keep beer cold for a living and kind of as a joke, but we may even be able to help people, you know, save some lives with that one. So we've got a lot of cool stuff going on. And that's all, you know, that's all kind of coming out most of it next year. And then beyond that, I mean, honestly, you know, I just want to kind of keep expanding, like, who knows about us? I mean, there's just like, we're super lucky in that people love the product. I just want more people to know about it. Time for a quick message break. So you know that this show is brought to you by Camp Crate, and you hear that name quite a bit, but... You might not know exactly what it is. Basically, Camp Crate is the bridge between people who want to have a backpacking experience but don't have gear and don't know where to start with planning. Um, They're extremely helpful. They'll rent you the gear and they ship it right to your front door. Uh, If you just have friends that are already going but you just are tagging along but you don't have your own stuff or you have gear but 
really don't know where to go, uh, they can help you with all that. So go to campcrate.net or send them an email at support at campcrate.net. Their whole mission is that you get in the backcountry and you have an awesome time on a self-guided adventure. Back to the episode. You know, that's that's awesome. So yeah, I d- totally see that. For for the military, I'm looking at uh, your biggest backpack. It has all these compartments. That'd be perfect for like emergency blood, any sort of medicines that have to stay cold, any sort of, yeah, anything that needs it to stay cool that needs to be transported quickly, like on, on foot somewhere to help save lives. That'd be amazing. Absolutely amazing. That's so awesome. Yeah. Congrats on that. Thank you. Thank you. But we, and we kind of already do that. We, we work with a, there's an organization out of um, Massachusetts called all hands volunteers. S- super great organization. Look them up. Um, if you go to charity navigator, they're one of the best run charities in the, in the world. Um, started by a, a guy who was kind of a retired tech guy who had some, uh, wanted to do something. So they, all they do is disaster. Don't have ice. Um, um, and so we've, I think so far we've, we've helped out with, with what happened down in Texas last year, with what happened in the Caribbean, Caribbean last year. When we had the storms down here the last two years in Florida, we've helped out with that. Um, so we've, we've been doing disaster relief work for a while with these guys. And it's, um, you know, when you keep beer cold for a living, you got to do something on the plus column, right? You got to do something to prove that you're not just wasting your time. <laughs> so. it, can't, it can't all be a party. Man. It can't all be a party. Guys. <laughs> exactly. No, that, that makes you feel good though to to help out like that. That's awesome. So, uh, have you seen other companies trying to copy what you guys do since you're kind of leading the market in wearable coolers? Yes, everybody was crazy. <laughs> oh I yeah, mean, that's got to feel good though, and a little bit scary. <laughs> yeah, it's a little scary. There's, a, I mean, not really. I mean, I don't really sweat about it too much. There's a lot of big companies that are getting into backpack coolers now, and it, for all the right reasons. I mean, it's just a, it's you know. If you are going to be, I mean, why, why do you want to carry a cooler or like a, you know, big suitcase, like an old school suitcase? You know, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. So the good news about that for us is that it, it, it really does expand the category. So more and more people are aware of the category and then they're going to start shopping within the category. And when you look at kind of what you, you know, kind of what you want, there's probably a cooler out there that fit you. And I think in, in most cases for people who are spending any time outdoors, it's going to be one of our coolers. We have a broad line. We have a broad set of price points. It's like no matter what your kind of outdoor passion is or your price point, we've got a cooler that will match that. And so when 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 the category gets bigger, it just helps us. I mean, over the last year, we've seen at least four large companies move into the space that we were used to be the only company in. And as I, as I told you earlier, I mean, for the holiday season this year, we're triple where we were last year. So I think this is only helping us, honestly. That's awesome, man. It's just it's just growing the awareness of the market of wearable bag or wearable coolers. Um, yeah, because yeah. I mean, out here, you know, in Colorado, climbing mountains is a huge, huge, huge thing. Backpacking is a huge thing, and there's like a tradition: you climb a mountain, you have a beer on top. Um, one, absolutely, the alcohol uh, does a lot more for you at fourteen thousand feet than it does at sea level. <laughs> Two, right? It's uh, it's just fun, but you know, I, I, I do that and rarely, rarely has the beer been cold. <laughs> yes. So this I, know. Would help. I know I got to get out there and do a 14 or I've never done it. We used to go out to, um, a job. What is it? Um, I can't think of oh, Georgetown. My wife, um, has a friend out there who organizes a half marathon. Oh yeah. Called the slack, the slacker. Cause you run downhill the whole way. 
Yeah, we actually went to that this year. I didn't run it, but our good friend was in there. I think it's Georgetown to Idaho Springs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All downhill. Yes. So, all downhill. So, we. My wife was running the first year we went there. She ran it. I didn't run it, um, but I marshaled the race on a bike, which meant I was up and down the thirteen miles a lot more than she was. So I needed a beer at the end of the day. But yeah, I remember when we were, when I was first testing the pro there's a little mountain outside of charlotte where we were living called um uh, crowder mountain and it's it's nothing compared to what you're talking about but it's you know two thousand feet elevation and it's a little technical at the top and it was a hot day so i get up to the top of the mountain there's a ton of people up there and i open up my cooler and i bring out a cold you know beer and everybody's looking around like what is this magic you know because <laughs> everybody's like drinking like <laughs> Like either warm beer, or like really warm water from their, you know, from their whatever they got on their hip. And they're like, I was like, I mean, seriously, I was, it was like, I could have, it was like a, some God had come down to these people, you know, and handed them. So I just started handing out cold beers to people and, you know, it was, it was awesome. So that is yeah, was, excellent marketing. Holy cow. <laughs> Ain't nothing going to sell yeah. it like that. Hand a cold beer out. Right. Man, you go on some of these 14ers out here, man. Holy, that you need oh, to get yeah. people out on them and handing out beers, man. Cause, uh, that's a long hike for a lot of people and you're exhausted and, and a lot of people want to do that anywhere. If you had it ice cold, people would drive straight from that mountain to town and buy every cooler you have. Absolutely. That's a really good point. And, and as you and I were talking about, my marketing manager lives in Denver, so I'm going to give him a list of 14ers to get on and just get him up there. He's oh, going to well, love the and- Man, I've done a bunch of them, just saying. And uh, <laughs> I've, been, I've been on some that had 100 people on it at one time. Um, so it's, it's, it's unreal how, uh, no, how busy it's, it's, some a, of them it's a great idea. Um, well, let me ask you this, if you have the time, I, I just, uh, I'd love to know, like, uh, what's something for you starting this business and getting it to where it is? What's something that, uh, was surprisingly difficult and then something that has just come easy for you. It has just been second nature. Surprisingly difficult piece. Uh, I would say, you know, Honestly, the learning curve in in trying to understand um, there's I mean there's so much to do right. So when you start this, I had done different types of jobs in my previous life in corporate America. But when you're in corporate America, you do a thing. You do like one thing. I'm a marketing guy, or I'm a finance guy, or I'm a sales guy, or I'm a whatever you know logistics guy, whatever it is. And you know that business up and down, backwards and forwards. But you don't necessarily understand how all of the pieces fit in the company to make everything work. And I had some experience doing like I'd done I'd done some kind of corporate banking early in my career, so I had some idea of how all that stuff works. But you, until you've actually done it, you don't really get it. And so I think at the beginning, kind of going, um, I need to I need to do I need to find I need to design the products. I need to prototype the products. I need to find the right manufacturer. I went through, I'm on my third manufacturer. It's the one I've been with for, you know, all this time, but it took me a while to find them. You know, I gotta, I gotta market this thing and build a website and just all these, there's so many things you have to do. And, you know, I tell people like, you've got to really want it because once you start, like there's the amount of work that is required is staggering, you know, and and the especially if you're in a field you don't know and i didn't know anything about kind of supply chain or retail or you know i knew something about e-commerce but not from the perspective of a, of a manufacturer um i didn't know anything about manufacturing you know i didn't know anything about import duties and how all that works and you know all those things so 
just the kind of learning curve at the beginning was pretty steep. Um, and the amount of work, I think the thing that's come easiest and, and kind of not a huge surprise when I was a, when I was young, I wanted to be an artist. I was always kind of drawn and painting and kind of really enjoyed it and had a big creative bent. And I always loved to be outside. So finding something that allows me to be creative and also be outside, that's the easy part for me. That's the, that's where all the fun is. Um, but that's not that surprising. That's kind of, I, I feel like I got lucky in life where I was able to combine those two things together at this point. Man, that's a, those are two really good answers. It's unreal. The amount of things you have to be nearly an expert in starting out from, from marketing to managing to, um, just, yeah, like you said, all these skills that you have to learn and be proficient in enough to basically almost train somebody how to do it. It's, right. it's, I don't right. think a lot of people realize that when they start doing something, um, until they get in it and it's just like the amount of hours you spend doing things you'd never guess you'd be doing, uh, is, is totally. overwhelming, but, uh, you know what, man, it's, uh, it's what it takes and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's rewarding at the very least, but well, Absolutely. congratulations on what you've, uh, what you've built so far and, and we wish you the best. You too, Mason. I mean, camp crates is awesome. Um, I definitely want to do something with you guys on that at some point, but if if we can, but I tell you, I, I appreciate the time and thank you for reaching out. This is, this has been a lot of fun. All right, James. Thanks so much, man. All right, Mason. You too. Happy holidays, my friend. Yes, sir. You too. Have a good one. All right, bud. All right. You too. Take care. See Bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you know somebody that would make a good guest on the show, or if you have a pretty cool story about the outdoors or adventure sports that you want to tell us, please call us and leave a voicemail at 812-MAIL-POD. That is 812-624-5763. You can also send us an email at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. Again, it is always helpful to leave us a review on iTunes. And if you'd like to be a supporter of the show, you can give five bucks a month at patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast and links for all that stuff is also in the show notes. So thanks again for listening and y'all get out there and do something so you can be on the show one day. All right, later. Also, don't forget if you want to save 20% off the best backpacking food on planet earth, go to peakrefuel.com and at checkout, use the code ASP 20.